0: Welcome to What the Hell is This Show? The show where Nick and John share TV episodes with each other offering no context whatsoever and then discuss what the hell they're actually about. John, I just showed you episode 7 of season 1 of Homeland. What the hell did you just watch?
1: Um, Pretty much exactly what I expected to, except it was better. So I think this is one of the first episodes we've done of this show where we didn't show each other a recent episode of a show still in production. Yeah. So Homeland, I think, is on its eighth and final season. Yeah. um, And you showed me uh, an episode from season one, Um, so that was you know an interesting choice because usually we're we're very like up to date, Um, and so because of that, because the show is a little bit uh, long running, I was vaguely aware of the premise. you know, I know, spoiler alert, I know that um, Brody, Damon Lewis exits in season three just yep. because that's not that's pretty common knowledge. Um, and I knew what the vague premise of the show was. He's a, a POW from the Iraq war and he's come back and there's some suspicion that he, as a POW, has been turned to be working for for Al-Qaeda and is, uh, you know, like a double agent or maybe even a triple agent um, and has infiltrated back into like... The American FBI system, or whatever, um, and then that's a really long running storyline up until about season three. So I knew that already, um, but watching this episode, it was really interesting to consider how sort of ahead of the cultural zeitgeist this show really is and was in terms of its themes. Yeah. You know, I think terrorism is still something that's very topical um, and very frightening to a lot of people, and media. Uh, representation of that is very topical and I know that you know we were talking about this before sort of between you know kind of 2006 onwards really like the Iraq war and how useful it was and how damaging it potentially was uh, was represented in a lot of TV shows you know it was on brothers and sisters Um, you can see that this show is really informed future shows of similar ideas like the americans you know like even the montage at the like over the opening credits is really similar to the americans which yeah. i when i watched the americans i was like oh that's so cool and now i'm like oh you're pretty much just the same as homeland yeah. um yeah and so to know that this show with a couple of minor adjustments could probably still be made today and have exactly the same audience is very cool um, because it just shows how ahead of its time the ideas in it are. Yeah. This episode in particular, specifically, um, I really enjoyed because it was very tense. Um, so Carrie, um, Claire Danes, she suspects that Brody, Damon Lewis, is working for Al-Qaeda and she tries to get that out of him by taking him to a cabin in the woods uh, where she sleeps with him, and then um, they have a very tense, dramatic conversation over a gun, which he finds and is very angry about. And then there's a sub kind of secondary story as well about a woman who is trying to escape the country. She's trying to flee to Mexico, but the FBI are on her tail. And she. It was a bit hard for me to understand what her relationship with Brody was, but I think I got that her boyfriend. Was a terrorist and had been killed by someone. And whoever killed her boyfriend was now after her. So she was trying to escape the country. But because she'd been working with her boyfriend, like as a terrorist, the FBI were after her as well. And I think then obviously she had to make some kind of deal and try and help them to identify uh, other terrorists to maybe like reduce her sentence or whatever. And some kind of plea bargain deal. Um, And she, at the end of this episode, identifies uh, Brody's sort of cellmate, I guess. Like the guy who he was being held a POW with (coughs) in Iraq. Um, And that's just at the same moment that Carrie believes that the person who's been turned is Brody. And then finds out that actually it's not. Because this other girl has identified Someone he was close with, so it took the con- the the kind of concept a bit more seriously, I think than some other shows have like I could also see you know even how it informed designated survivor like mm. you know that kind of show um but it's just it's more it it takes the ideas of of politics and and political consequences from a military perspective much more seriously than things like brothers and sisters or um or designated survivor do like there's no there's no lightheartedness heartedness to this show. It's very, it's very intense, um, and I really like that tension.
0: Yeah. Um, so everything you've described there is pretty much back on. I think, like for for this in particular, Eileen and Saul's story. So, um, Eileen basically uh, towards the start of the season is um, a terrorist. Yeah. Um, and so they buy the property, um, which is in the line of sight for Marine One. So the end game for for the terrorists is basically to assassinate the vice president or the president. And that line of sight, which is the big reveal at the end of the episode... Yeah, okay. ...is um, the fact that Brody or Tom Walker is supposed to be the one that executes the plan. Um, in terms of just like... <coughs> oh, you have to excuse me. Um, in terms of just how on the ball you are, like it, it, that's pretty much it. Like This episode in particular is... It's just a game. It's basically a mind game. When you look at Brody and Carrie, Carrie is... As the viewer, we know that she is right. No one yep. else believes her. So, the con- to give you context, Carrie is absolutely right in this scenario. But does um, she
1: know that she's right? Like, at the end, she seems to... It was very interesting because... At the end, when she finds out that somebody else has been identified, she runs over to Brody and tries to apologize to him and take it all back. But I kind of thought, well, that's because he had just lied to her and said that he killed that person who clearly she's just found out is still alive. So is she trying to take it all back because she's sorry that she was wrong? Or is she trying to take it all back because she's trying to amend fences with him so she can find out the truth?
0: So, Carrie's character in this is obsessed with Brody, both professionally and personally. Okay. So her relationship with him at that point, at the, towards the end of the episode where she goes up and she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, is less to do with the job and more to do with her personal feelings towards Brody. Okay. Um. So that in particular, this whole episode revolves around who knows what is, who, like, like does Carrie know, does Brody know what Carrie's doing? Does Carrie know what Brody's doing? And the whole sort of conceit of the episode is to try and work out who's playing who.
1: Yeah, because at the start, she when they go <coughs> off to the cabin together, she just seems like a hot mess. Like, she's yep.
0: drunk and
1: she's kind of all over the place. And her sister's on the phone to her telling her to, like, take her medicine or whatever. So, clearly, she's got some kind of mental health issues. And he's sort of comforting her. And even their sex is very much, like, a result of her talking about someone that she lost and how that's made her emotionally vulnerable. Like, she seems... Um, not entirely in control of the situation. Yeah. But then at the end you realise, you know, she's had an endgame all along that she's been working towards, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And it, the, this whole episode basically requires Damien Lewis and Claire Danes to have a chemistry. I know, you, like, during the episode you said that like, there's not a lot of physical chemistry. I totally agree. But how these two play around one another is so interesting to watch because that particular relationship, it, it helps inform and helps sort of alleviate the blow when it's revealed to Carrie that she was right about Brody all along and that he's a terrorist. So in terms of the, their, their, their experience initially, I think it's quite slow in terms of how it sets things out. And then towards the end, like in the last maybe 15 minutes, things just escalate. And it's all from one little slip-up. Because Carrie says, you know, she mentions his favourite tea. And he's like, how did you do know my favourite tea? Yeah. And the thing with Carrie is that she's such a good agent. And she gets the job done. She does what she needs to do. But she always has... With Her, her issues are that she has she gets too close to people... She gets too connected to people, and this is happening here, and it's happened there, where their relationship, both as a target and also just as a person, is starting to blur.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I did get that vibe completely. And I guess you know you're talking about the episode revealing that quite slowly to uh, to a huge climactic um, reveal at the end, but. I mean I guess it's kind of been moving towards that for you know what is that seven episodes it was the seventh episode so yeah. it's kind of been moving <clears throat> towards that for seven episodes and then they're having this very tense you know mind game as you say confrontation Yeah, and even then at the end like when he cries like you still don't really know why because you still don't like you already know that theoretically everything's in a neat little package like he killed his uh, you know <laughs> Homer Simpson style so everything's wrapped up in a neat, neat, neat little package um, but, but he said, oh, I, you know, I killed my POW cellmate because they made me. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she finds out that he didn't because the cellmate is the one who's really been turned and is alive. So even when he cries at the end, it's like, you're still lying. So you still have secrets. You're still hiding something. Yeah. Are you a terrorist? You know, even to us as the audience at that point. Um, especially because it's also revealed in this episode that he's a Muslim yeah. um, and has, you know, if nothing else, he has certainly converted to Islam. So
0: it's that's a big red flag as well. It's interesting how the episode treats that as well when it's revealed to, to Carrie because Carrie's literal line is basically, oh, you're a Muslim. And for her, that is that swings her automatically in the direction of, oh, well, he's, he's turned.
1: Yeah, look, to be honest, I know that it's controversial because it's a very wild leap to assume that because someone follows a religion, they're a terrorist. But I think Brody's a pretty special circumstance. Like, you converted to Islam while a POW of Al-Qaeda as an American soldier. It's not exactly the same. It's not like assuming anyone who's Muslim is, is or has the potential to be a terrorist. I think it's not an entirely unreasonable link that she's making (laughs)
0: there. I think mainly just because I think for me when I look at Carrie's investigation, the context of her investigation so far, her reaction to that makes sense. It's not just like, oh, you're a Muslim, yeah, you're a terrorist. It's like, okay, I'm starting to sense a pattern here of of linking you even further to the terrorist group that captured you and that released you as well you know like so i sort of look at that reaction less as a just basically flat out oh well, because you're a muslim you're a terrorist it's just her being like okay this is a confirmation of the things that i've been watching you do for seven episodes
1: yeah and that was also really interesting because the reason that she knows that or finds out he's a muslim is because he says to her like you can ask me anything you want and one of the things she asks him is What he does in his garage and he gives her some guff about fixing bikes and she's like okay why so early in the morning why so late at night and he's like oh i have to pray and then he starts like flicking his hands and she's like what are you doing and you know it's something to do with him not having his prayer beads to hand and that's how she clues in and obviously you know muslims are going to pray five times a day so he's got to do it at certain times like dawn and dusk and whatever but that's a really interesting detail That she knows about him already. Yeah. Like, she might know the reason he's there, but it obviously, regardless of the specific question she's asking, it's a big clue into the fact that she's conducting an investigation because she has all this information on him already. Like, what he's doing in his garage and at what obscure time of day. Like, that's pretty weird.
0: And also noticing the, the, like, the reflexive motion of his hands. Yeah. That, to me, when I watched this for the first time, because this is one of the best episodes the show has ever done. That said to me that Carrie is so dedicated to her job to the point of obsession where it's yeah. starting to get dangerous. But
1: then that's a the problem. The, the, oh, see, I think you're right. But I think the reason that it's dangerous is not because she's obsessed. It's because her obsession will make her seem neurotic, which will make her seem wrong, even though she's right. She'll just sound hysterical because she's so um, unable to let go of any small thing even when it is something extremely revealing and telling, people just dismiss her.
0: Um, it's really interesting that you say that because you pretty much have guessed every episode up until the finale. Yeah, well... Wow. With, with that, just in terms of her reaction, how the CIA reacts to that. Because Saul, who is her handler, um, played by Mandy Patinkin, uh, he's basically like a father figure to her. He keeps her in line, but he also sort of lets her... Breathe, You know, where it's like, okay, look, she is insane, but if we let her do her job, she'll do her job. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's to both their, you know, their advantage and also their disadvantage. But it's really interesting seeing sort of like the contrast between how slow and steady Saul and Eileen's conversation is yeah. after he grabs her from Mexico compared to how... Or sorry, how it starts. Where it starts with her getting captured and her being not responsive at all to basically giving up the entire plan of how um, Nazir is going to take down Marine One. And so when you look at that as it runs parallel to Brody and Carrie's story where it goes from a really sort of, honestly, like a sort of a love story a little bit. Totally, yeah. To something where it becomes really frightening and Brody becomes quite frightening.
1: Yeah, like there's all this personal stuff at the beginning like oh I'm not with my wife anymore. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, blah 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 and it's yep. very you know like almost almost cliche in terms of what their dynamic is. Yeah. Um but then yes it goes to somewhere as you say very unexpected. Um so I think it is definitely Something that's made me curious, and it's interesting as well, just on the note that you mentioned earlier about them having good chemistry and their mental sparring, um, that they are both so very almost oddly cast. Like, if you look at the characters as written, neither of them are names that would immediately spring to mind for me. But they're both really fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I can think, I only because I know, again, spoiler alert, I know that he dies in season three, Even though everybody perceived them as like code leads or joint leads, so it was kind of at the time people were not really sure how the show was possibly going to continue because the whole premise was, Is he or isn't he? So, how can the show go on without that question and without that character? Um, but I think not that I know much about it, but it probably was smart because you can't keep it's you know, you can't keep that question hanging over the audience every year going back and forward. Um, so I think it was good to try and change things up, obviously, because as what I was going to say is, you know, because he does die the show itself has become more of a vehicle for Claire Danes and I think because she is playing such a an emotionally complex character for such a sustained period of time it's pretty much become career defining for her now you know like I mean what had she really really done beforehand like I'll never see her as anything but Juliet. Juliet and then she did that shitty Terminator movie
0: um, oh, God, don't even remind me of <laughs> Rising Machines. Ugh.
1: But then, like, you know, like, this is a role that she's really been able to absorb and engage with for, for years. Yeah. Um, and I think it will become... I think, you know, Carrie will become career-defining for her, and deservedly so, even just based on this episode, because she she's really doing a very difficult job because there's so many facets to this character yeah. and you never really know what their motivation is at any given time or what their hidden motivation is and that, yeah, I think she, I think she deserves the show as a vehicle and that's, you know, another reason I'd be interested to keep watching.
0: Yeah, I think this this episode in particular, I think, shows off how terrific actors these two are. Um, yeah. Claire Danes and both um, and, and Damien Lewis as well. Because uh, one of the one thing that I'm a really big fan of is the fact that if you can make two people talking in a room in it interesting, then you've done your job. You don't need yeah, to do and like else.
1: And they go to that cabin pretty early in the episode, and there's it's very isolated. Like
0: that's yeah, it. and there's a sense of tension there from the get go because it's going to be like who's going to slip up first? Is yeah. someone going to slip up? Maybe they don't, and I honestly wouldn't be too fussed if that was the case because the show does kind of sort of fake out Brody at the end.
1: Yeah, but then the problem is it's sort of like if they don't slip up I mean, I don't know, it's hard for me to tell cuz I haven't seen it up to this point, but like if they don't slip up maybe they're both like their service personalities are like what you see is what you get after all, like as the viewer you just don't really know like if they don't if they don't pursue their hidden motivations and you're not privy to them. Maybe you're just being the neurotic one and imposing it onto them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just yeah. really curious to to try and follow that that, as you say, chemistry dynamic between them and that oh, the intensity of like them the mind connection that they have, but yes. also the mind conflict that they have. It's very it's very well Written, but it's very hard to act, and I do think, yeah, they were both really fantastic.
0: Yeah, just before we wrap up, the stuff between Eileen and Saul, did you find that use of Saul as a really cheeky way of developing and, um, exp- like giving character exposition for the sake of one moving the plot, but also helping you understand Saul as a character as well, because he basically opens up all the stuff that he says in this episode towards Eileen is true. All of his background, his home stuff, all of that is completely true. So when he gives you the context of he's bringing up, his upbringing, sorry, where he, you know, where he's from, what his parents were like, all of that stuff is confirmed later on. So everything you hear there to me, when I watched it, I look at it and go, This is a really interesting way of a character revealing certain aspects of their life and their backstory through exposition, but also furthering the plot at the same time.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, we were talking about that before, like how you deliver information to an audience without it seeming like exposition. Yeah. And I guess, yes, that was a very interesting way to do that because I think it's very hard to go from the opening of that episode where she's at the bus station buying the ticket to Mexico and to have her giving up the intel by the end of the episode and to make that plausible. Considering that she doesn't really start talking until about two-thirds of the way through. Yeah. And I don't mean like talking as in spilling the secrets. I mean talking as in like Hello. Literally talking at all. Yeah. So it was always going to be a challenge to get her from the where she needs to be at the start to where she needs to be at the end inside the time span of one episode. Yeah. So she needed a reason to do that and his confession if you like sort of did that and told the audience at the same time but equally when you know just on that parallel conversation again with the the two sets like the two pairs of characters when Brody was telling Carrie about um him killing his cellmate i literally turned to him was like he's lying like i think he's lying <coughs> but he could have been telling the truth he i didn't think he was lying because anything he said gave away the fact he was lying I just thought what he was saying didn't really make sense like they made him beat his cellmate to death or he would die I was like well if they want to kill you why wouldn't they just kill both of you like yeah. why would they make one of you beat the other one to death even if it's not you even if you're the one who gets beaten to death then after you've done it they just let you go like that doesn't make any sense so I was just like mm, that's a lie so the reason that I'm bringing all that up is because it's a good call He could, like, um, Saul, he could have just been lying. Like, he could have just made it all up to get what he needed out of the conversation. And as the audience, again, you don't know. Like, you say, you find out later, in a later episode. But at that point, it could be him laying his heart bare and simultaneously telling the audience something about himself. Or it could be him just saying a bunch of bullshit to get her where he wants her. And either way, as the audience, it's ambiguous, and I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of ambigu- uh, ambiguity around um, around all the characters in, in this show, particularly just because the central hook for the show is so good. Like, yeah. like you said, it's so hard to sustain that, and the show really struggles to do that. But the actual hook, I think, is one of the best hooks.
1: Oh, 100%. In, in, in and I do television, remember in television. when it came out... It was, like, a cultural phenomenon. Like, I remember it being all over the place, like, Izzy isn't he? Like, it was just all over every media outlet. It was, like, the talk of the television day.
0: Yeah. I remember. That's, um... It, honestly, I, I remember it just being so, sort of, there, because the first season did such a good job of maintaining the mystery of Brody, whether he turned... Was Carrie right? Was Saul wrong? Was Saul right? Carry on, blah, blah, blah. And... To its credit, like it does a pretty good job of holding upholding that for the majority of the first couple of seasons. Sort of abandons that as soon as Brody dies. But I also feel like, to f- for me... That's it, where the show ends. That's where the show ends. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like when you watch the season finale for season one, when Brody doesn't carry out the attack, it feels like a bit of a cop-out. Yeah. So... <laughs> or at least he's not found out. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's that's where it becomes a bit problematic, even though the finale is phenomenal. Okay. Um I just wanted to sort of throw that in there just because the hook is so good, but I think Homeland is a really good example of an amazing hook and then utilizing that hook perfectly and then overutilizing the hook to the point where why, yeah, they stretched it, yeah, yeah, um, so yeah i i I feel like I needed to chuck that in towards the end, but John, recommend or reject homeland,
1: um, this is so hard because I was trying to think if some other are like really consider watching it, <laughs> that was just like not quite recommend, um only because. As I said, this is the first time we've done a podcast episode where we've watched something from so long ago. Yeah, and also, I had a vague idea of what it was about. It wasn't entirely contextless, um, but based on the strength of this episode, like I think I'm really going to have to recommend again. Like, I do want to go back and watch this from the start, and I do. I'm a bit apprehensive about seeing what a lot of people have described as a deterioration in quality in the show across the seasons. Like, I know it's in its eighth season now and is still going and is in it, 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 this is it. They're going to end it with this one. Um, but I do think, despite all of the television that is out there worth watching and of high quality, oh, I mean, it's just hard because recommended something like Narcos and when you showed me that, I was like, yes, 100%. Like, like I'll be going back and watching this. And it's <coughs> not quite like that. Yeah, but it's a different pace. It's a different kind of show. It is something I'd like to watch from the beginning. I just don't know if I'll ever really, honestly, be able to dedicate the time, just because I know how many seasons I would need to go. But I would still, I would still recommend it. Is my long-winded answer.
0: <laughs> you got there. I think, like, when I look at it, I would recommend it, but I'd recommend it with a bit big asterisk. I'd be like, I'd recommend this for three seasons. Um, I've I watched. up to season five and then that's when I was like okay the show is really running out of gas Um, and it played on Carrie's mental health too much which I didn't personally find particularly interesting just because it was just I don't know
1: much about the FBI or the CIA or whatever but I feel like if your mental health becomes remotely an issue off the case
0: that's well that's pretty much what happens I would have thought yeah Um, so I think I think you're allowed to recommend it with a star. Okay, cool. Uh, It's like an asterisk recommendation because I would probably, honestly, if I was in your shoes, I would probably be doing that because I don't think I could fully recommend watching this show from season one to season eight, but I could highly recommend watching season one to three. Okay, well, look,
1: I did...
0: Even though I just... Totally I did
1: miss out on saying, you know, like that's what I think I just watched. What did I really just watch? And following our script properly, but I think you pretty much just told me. And look, that actually is very heartening because I know I can commit the time to three seasons. Yeah, <laughs> like that—that's much more manageable and possible for me. So it's going to be like motivating for me to at least want to watch from the beginning,
0: even if it's just watching season one. Yeah, season okay. one, honestly, does it does have a sense of finality, but. Also leaves things open, but I think you could really get away w- with watching the first season just to see how they really unpack.
1: To be the, honest, maybe the hook that you were describing would have been <clears throat> better explored as a miniseries with a resolve.
0: That's what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought after it. Like, the more I think about it, I'm like, miniseries, this, this is game over. Like, it's a winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, thank you so, so much for listening. You can find Homeland on... Uh, Netflix it's up to season 6 yep you'll also get uh, the latest seasons on uh, iTunes as well up to season 7 and season 8 I think is available now i have to check actually I'm not sure um, but thank you for so much for listening as always you can find us on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast apps but we'll catch you next week for more contextless TV see you then